Praise God, what a day, and I thank you all for fighting through the torrential rains outside, or maybe just a sprinkle, but you, you did it. You got up, you got ready, and I'm especially impressed by you guys who have wives at the ladies' retreat that you're actually here. Uh, a lot of times you just take that opportunity to kind of snooze, uh, sleep in, you know, catch up, not really push it that hard, but you came, and, and man, I, I tell you, we are so thankful to see all of you here today, and, and you're ready to get what God has for you, and it's going to be some good stuff, as we like to say here in the South. So if you would, grab your hand out. One side is what? Notes. There you go. The other side? Great list of opportunities to serve and get involved and make a difference. So right now, I want you to get your note side out, get ready, and journey with us as we kick off this brand new study about a man named Jonah, a man on the run. And I want to ask this question right off the bat. Have you ever wanted to just run away? Raise your hands. It's okay. All right, the rest of you, repent now because you're telling a lie. We've all had that temptation to just take off, to just get out of Dodge, to, to make a getaway, to go for it, whatever you want to term it, man, however you want to describe it. There's always that, that something in us. And man, our society uh, has, has kind of rallied around the theme of running uh, all through the years. There have been numerous songs written about running away. How many of you know that's the, the truth? Uh, how many of you remember that song, uh, Man on the Run by Beatles? The Beatles. Uh, it, it. See, I got you there because that's not it. It's Band on the Run, right? But don't we do that with songs? Man, we just make up lyrics. We think we hear one thing and kind of sing it that way. And then years later, somebody says, that's not what that song says. You're like, what? Come on, I've been singing that in the shower for 10 years, man. Don't tell me I'm wrong. I can't be. And then you look it up on Google and you're like, uh, oh, yeah. I was wrong. How many of you remember the flock of seagulls in the 80s? And they sang that song, I ran. I ran, ran so far away. And, and, and what? Couldn't get away, right? <laughs> it kind of goes with what we're talking about this morning with this guy named Jonah. What about movies and TV shows? How, how many of you remember the, the movie U.S. Marshals with Tommy Lee Jones and Wesley Snipes? You remember that? It was about this fugitive, and, and this marshal was chasing him around and, and, and trying to catch him. He was on the run from the law, and, and, and Tommy Lee Jones was playing the U.S. Marshal, and he said, I'm going to check every house, every hen house, every everything I can. I will find him. That's a pretty good flick, right? I like to check that out every once in a while and kind of be reminded of how good of a movie it was. And, and I know some of you in this room, you enjoy, like, like I do, running for exercise, Right? I didn't say all of you, so I heard your voice say nope loud and clear. As a matter of fact, you're probably the people that made the statement, hey, if you ever see me running, somebody's chasing me because that's, that's the only time, right? We've all had that feeling uh, once in a while. We, we just want to get away. We just want to go on the run from whatever it is that's, that's troubling us. We've talked a number of times in the past about the fight or flight possibilities and, and dealing with things in our lives. And starting today, we're talking about a man who chose the latter. He chose to run. Now, sometimes it's even that way in, in ministry. And I know you're going to find that hard to believe. It's hard dealing with, with all the, the many people that you deal with at times. And, and it's such a strain feeling the responsibility of so many lives. It's like a parent. And, and you know what I'm talking about, those of you that are parents, you, you go to sleep at night and you just always have that, that what if or what's going on or that, that feeling of, of, of responsibility for the child you brought into this world. 
So it, it just never leaves you as, as someone in ministry, and there are times where you feel like, you know what, I, I just can't do this anymore, and, and it's just too much, and it, it's just overwhelming, and there's just so many people problems to deal with and try to navigate through, and, and you got these people who are so immature at times, and they just, you know, act like children, and, and you just want to run away from it all and say, forget it. But how many of you know that's not the right way to do it? Instead, you dig in your heels, you trust God, and you say, Lord, these are your people, not mine. You gave me some responsibility in caring for them and shepherding them and loving them and pastoring them, and I am not going to quit, and I'm not going to run away. But it's tempting. How many of you know, I heard this said years ago by, by, by some, some guys teaching this conference, he said, many times what pastors daydream about, you want to know what that is? A nine-to-five Monday through Friday job. <laughs> They can go home at night and just not worry about anything else and have their weekends free. But that's just not what God called us to. Not what we are. But it's, it's tempting for all of us to, to run at times. And the man that we're going to study about in the next three weeks had that same desire. And his name is Jonah. And this morning, we're going to kind of tag along and, along and watch Jonah attempting to run away from God. And of all the supernatural occurrences recorded in the Bible, perhaps none has received as much ridicule and scorn as the story of Jonah. And the reason I say this is because to liberal scholars and skeptics, and there are a number of those out there and seem to be growing by the day, the account of Jonah and the well, as it's called, is fit only for children and not for serious thinkers. Can, can you believe that? Man, I, I love this, this story. I love what Jonah speaks to us. I love to read it and reread it. I love to hear about what he went through, the decisions that he made. In fact, that kind of crazy thinking and teaching out there reminds me of a story I heard years ago of a little girl in elementary school, and she was in class one day studying about the ocean when the teacher told the class, I don't want any of you to ever be afraid of going into the sea because there are no sea creatures that can swallow you whole. And this little girl raised her hand and said, hey, uh, ma'am, I learned in church that a great fish swallowed Jonah whole, and he was alive inside of its belly. And the teacher scoffed at, at that, and she said, that's impossible. That could never, ever, ever, ever happen. And the little girl said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to ask Jonah myself and find out if it was actually true. And the teacher said back to this precious little girl, well, what if Jonah didn't go to heaven? To which the little girl resp responded and said, then you can ask him. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Let's hear it for the kids. Amen. But the facts are that only three verses of this entire four-chapter book of the Bible deal with the fish. And the other 45 verses tell the real story of Jonah, and it's a story of someone very much like ourselves. Would you write that down somewhere in the margin of your outline? This is me. Just put it like that. This is me. This is my story. And, and the struggles that go on, it's a story of struggle. It's a story of, of a calling on someone's life by God. It's a story of, of disobedience. It's a story of, of problems. And, and thankfully, it's a story of prayer and grace. I love it. Most of all, it's a story of second chances. And who of us in this room and outside of this room watching right now doesn't need a second chance? I mean, we all do. Maybe you're on your fourth chance. Maybe your 15th chance. It's okay. 
We all need another chance. And so now quickly, there are three basic ways of interpreting the book of Jonah that history has given us. First, we can view it as an allegory, and an allegory is a long story with a hidden meaning, every character or event standing for some other character or event. Now, the second way of interpreting the book of Jonah is to see it as a, as a parable. A story which has one main point, Jonah as a parable, would be the deliverance of Israel. Now, the third method of interpreting the book of Jonah is to view it as an historically accurate portrayal of real events. The main reason to believe that the story of Jonah is historically accurate is that Jesus accepted it as such. When unbelieving scribes and Pharisees confronted Jesus for a sign to prove that, that what he said was true, he replied to them over in Matthew's gospel, chapter 12, verses 39 and 40, that an evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. There it is, validation. He said, look to the sign of the prophet Jonah. Then he explained in verse 40, for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth after his crucifixion. Jesus used this story of Jonah as an historical illustration of his own literal resurrection from the dead. So bam, there's the validation. You can't argue with Jesus. If you try to stand up and say, well, Jesus was wrong, then guess what? You're wrong. He was never wrong, right? Right. Never wrong. Jesus was never, ever wrong. So we're going to accept this story. As big of a fishtail as it is, don't you love that, huh? As big of a monstrous fishtail as it is, then I challenge and encourage every one of us to grab a hold of it as a true factual account in history. That one day, a man named Jonah literally was swallowed up by a great fish and inside the belly of that thing. I don't like, I know about you, but I like to put myself in situations in my imagination best I can. There's been a couple times in my life of 51 years now that I've, I've imagined myself camping out inside the belly of a great fish. You ever, you ever tried that after hearing this or reading this story? It's kind of interesting. Maybe it's just my crazy mind. I don't know. I just thought I'd throw that out there, but, but it, it happened. It's real. So we're going to find out today what happened to get him in there how he gets out. We're going to look at this in the next couple of weeks. What, what lessons are there to be learned from what Jonah went through in his, own, in his own life? And the first one there in your outline is simply this. God still speaks to us today, inviting us to join him in his work. Very first verse in Jonah chapter 1 says that the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Don't you love that? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. God still speaks to us, inviting us to join him in his work. It just boggles my mind at times. Now, track with me here for a minute. The God of the universe, the God of all that is, the God of million units, we don't even know. The God who created everything that we know, including us. He's the one with all power, all knowledge, all wisdom, all everything, on and on and on. Now, now, have you kind of at least captured a little bit of, of the magnitude of who God is? He all of a sudden decides, guess what? I want to speak and have a relationship with you. 
I want to know you and I want you to know me. I want to tell you things that I have planned for your life. I I want you to know the the great things that I want to do in you, through you, and for you. I want to to communicate and, and relate with you. I want to have a relationship. So if you're lonely in this place today, if you're lonely hearing my voice today, the Bible tells us that God is a friend that will stick to you closer than even a brother will. And that very same God who spoke to Jonah speaks to us every single day of our lives. And he loves us enough that he has actually put together this plan and these purposes just for us. Individual, unique plans, purposes, just tailor-made for me and you. Man, that part right there just, just lights me up. Because it's exactly what's happening at the beginning of this this account with Jonah in chapter 1. He speaks to Jonah. He comes to him. He speaks to him. Now, I don't know exactly how the Lord chose to speak to Jonah. Maybe he spoke to him audibly as he did with Abraham and Adam and He could have spoken to him in a vision as he did with the old prophet Ezekiel. He could have spoken to him in a dream as he did with Joseph. He may have simply left an impression on his heart as he often does with many of us today. We don't know exactly how, but we do know this without a doubt. God spoke to Jonah. And would you write on your outline somewhere right now, God is speaking to me also. You see, that's the point that I want us all to grab a hold of a, a hold of today. And that is simply this. God is communicating with each one of us in a personal and powerful way. He still speaks, inviting us to join him in his work. Someone said many years ago these words, God is speaking to all of us all the time. The question is not to whom does God talk, but the question is who is listening for his voice? I don't know about you, but I want to be a listener. I don't want to be one who, who attunes my ear, who, who removes all the static and all the other contrary voices from my life that want to tell me I can't, that I'm nobody, that I will never amount to anything. I want to push all of those out of my head, and I want to tune in to the voice of the Holy Spirit who is constantly speaking to me. I've just got to make sure my reception is where it should be, that I'm in position, that I'm leaning into him. You know what I'm talking about? We can lean into a lot of things in this old world, but the the thing that we need to lean in the most, the one thing that is priority above everything else is leaning in to the voice of God and hearing what he is communicating to us. Jonah heard that. He heard God speak. Many of you know what that's like. Whatever method God chooses to speak to us in, listen for him. Second thing on your outline is simply this. God still speaks to us, but sometimes we don't like what he tells us to do. (laughs) Now, you might want to lift your feet up a little bit for this one. You might want to guard your toes. Might be getting all up in your space. I don't know. God tells Jonah, arise. Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. Let me give you a little more light on that last statement. The Living Bible paraphrases the the last part of verse 2 to read this way. The wickedness of Nineveh was such that it smelled to high heaven. And I'm not talking about it was a a, a sweet-smelling fragrance. I'm not talking about it smelled like some nice cologne or perfume that that many of you sprayed on or dabbed on or or poured on. Some of you kind of get a little little excited with it, you know. I'm not talking about that. No, it, it it was a stench. 
It was as if you were riding down the road and someone had caught a batch of fish a day before and just came along and just poured all those dead fish on the side of the road where you were riding down the road and you had your windows down because it's fall and the air is crisp and, and man, it's just, it just feels good right now in this time of the year. And all of a sudden, woohoo, you, you hit that odor. And you're hitting the, the window button as quick as you can to raise them things up. Guy, I, I, I can't deal with this. And that's literally what was happening here. That's the picture. And God is calling this prophet to go and to cry out against this wicked city. It would be like God raising up people right now to go to San Francisco and Los Angeles and New York City and, and Chicago and stand up for him and say, God is going to judge you. Repent. Many years ago, God called a man by the name of Dave Wilkerson to go to New York City as just a, a barely out of his teenage years young man with a call on his life. And he went and he began to, to preach to the dope dealers and the drug addicts and the prostitutes and, and the outcasts of society. And God brought a mighty revival. He was threatened many, many times. People had knives to his throat, and, and it's amazing. If you've never read his book, The Cross and the Switchblade, or seen the movie, check that stuff out. And that's the kind of call that God is putting to Jonah right now when he speaks to him. Nineveh, it said, became the capital of the vast Assyrian Empire. Nineveh was a great city of the ancient world. It was located on the Tigris River in what now is Iraq. And it had a population of upwards of 600,000 people at that time. Its streets were 20 miles long and its walls were 100 feet tall and wide enough for three chariots to be driven side by side by side across the top of them. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you and hear this this morning because some of you are right here in this next phrase. This is the last place on earth that Jonah thought God would send him. Why would God send Jonah to preach to his enemies? That's the reason why. There was a, an adversarial feeling there. there, there were, they were mortal enemies. They, they did not like each other. Jonah's people, God's people, and, and the Ninevites wasn't a nice place. In fact, it had a reputation of being nasty and cruel. It was the Assyrian policy to never keep their prisoners of war alive. Instead, they gloated over their victims and enjoyed every atrocity. They would hold down their victims and cut out their tongues. They would skin their victims alive. They built pyramids of human skulls outside of every conquered city. Their cruelty was known throughout the world. These were definitely not nice people, to put it lightly. And Jonah grew to hate them, as is revealed in Jonah chapter 4, verse 2. Church, the point to this is that sometimes God calls us and tells us to do things that we do not want to do. Is anybody hearing me this morning? I'm talking about things like loving your enemies. Hello? Anybody at all? Everybody's starting to look at their watch now and start making lunch plans. Well, what about blessing those who curse you? You ever tried that? You ever called somebody up and say, hey, man, I just want you to know I love you in Jesus, and I'm praying for you, and if there's ever anything I can do for you, I'm here to serve you knowing full well that that person has put a knife in your back time and time again, uh, an enemy to you for whatever reason they conjured up. Those kind of tough calls where our flesh wants to say, no way, not going to happen. 
you can forget it. Lord, do you know what they've done to me? You know, every time I try to use that argument, the first picture that comes in my mind is Jesus hanging on the cross. And then the words that he spoke, the part of the, part of the, 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 the words that he, he spoke was, was something like this, Father, forgive them, right? What, what was that? Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And so every time I want to feel like that, every time my, my pride and, and my, my junk just wants to rise up and say, how dare they treat me like that? Well, you watch this. They strike me. I'm going to strike them back even harder. I mean, in all this political crap that's going on in our nation right now, used to be that one side said, well, if they go low, we're going to go high. And now all of a sudden the, the anthem of that side has become, well, if they go low, we're just going to hit them. We're going to kick them. We're going to get them back. That's what's happening in our world. They are moving further and further and further away from the God who cried out on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I will not retaliate when they strike me. These are the kind of hard things that when God comes knocking on our door and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out. Don't wait for them to come to you. I want you to pick up the phone. Don't wait for them to call you. I want you to send them a card. Don't wait for them to write something to you. It's not easy. Now, I'm going to tell you what, easy, what is easy. What if God showed up one day and said, Joseph, you're a good man. And what I want for you is to win the mega lottery. It's going to be $500 million this weekend. And I want you to win it. I want you to have it. You know what happens when we get a call like that? You know that worship course? Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, 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 yes. I mean, that's the kind of answer we immediately give. I'll do it. Sign me up. Show me the money. <laughs> but when it comes to this kind of stuff, we just don't respond that same way, do we? As a matter of fact, we tend to um, move more like our brother Jonah there and have a different answer. And number three on your outline simply says, going away from God is always going in the wrong direction. In verse three, the first part of that verse, it says, but Jonah arose to flee. Mark that in your Bible, write that on your outline, whatever. He chose to get up and go. He, he fled to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Verse 3 begins with two of the saddest words in the entire book, but Jonah. Instead of responding with that, yes, yes, Lord, I'll go, the Bible tells us he took off going the opposite direction. He attempts to flee the presence of the Lord. Now, that's a tough thing to do. And what we have to realize here from this is that Jonah made a conscious decision not to heed the call of God. It was a, it was a decision he made because Nineveh is to the east, Tarshish is to the west. Tarshish is believed by some archaeologists to be located in what is now southern Spain. And if this is correct, then Jonah took off for a destination 2,000 miles in the opposite direction from God's command. How many of you know he couldn't jump on a Learjet and be there in like an hour and a half? 
I mean, we're talking about this guy had to go a, a long, hard journey that far away. In those early times of history, the main mode of transportation was horseback or drone carriage or chariot and ships. I didn't say a bad word. I said ships that float on the water, okay? Everybody get that. So Jonah decides, I'm not going to do what God has called me to do, but instead, I'm going the opposite direction. Now, man, that, that's tough. And the reality is God has given us all a free will that we can tell God no if we choose to. I remember back in 1984, and some of you guys are got like, there was in 1984, what, what do you speak of? I mean, but there was a 1984, and I remember back then, I was 16 years old, and I remember God dealing with me and, and placing a call on my life to be in ministry, and I remember arguing with God and saying, no, no, you're wrong, no, that can't be, no, it's not going to work out, no, I can't do it, no, 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 no. You ever, you ever been there with God? And you know why I was giving that answer? Because I know a lot of you are getting really disappointed in me, thinking, wow, how... How dare you say, say no to God's calling to ministry? Well, well the, the simple reason is this. I'm not this guy that gets up in front of people. I, I never was that guy. Growing up, I was the guy who hung out in the back corner of the room. If there was a crowd, I wanted to be behind the crowd, not in front of the crowd. I didn't grow, grow up being in, in the church plays and dramas and all that stuff. Instead, I ran from those things and tried to hide because I was terribly shy. Terribly shy in front of a crowd. I didn't want to be up there. I didn't want to say anything. I didn't want to have to be put on the spot. I didn't want the limelight on me. I wanted to be behind the scenes guy. And some of you are like, what happened to that guy? You got to be kidding me. I was so much that guy that in Bible college, when I had to get up and speak in front of the, the youth ministry there on campus that I was a part of, I literally passed out the first time I was to do that. I mean, boom, out cold. I'm talking colder than a milkshake. Cold. And when I came to and, and kind of realized what had happened, I was like, see? Way to go, God. Now I'm passing out in front of a crowd. I didn't want to be up there in the first place. So there was this argument going on. There was this battle raging for my future and my destiny. But God continued to push and to pull and to drag me along and say, I am not giving up on you. This is what I have for you. And I can stand here before you today some 31 years later into the ministry in front of crowds that are big, that are small, that are all kind of sizes where God has used me and I tell this to people and they think I'm cutting up and I'm kidding, but literally I tell people if God can use me, he can use anybody. Don't disqualify yourself. But it's so easy at times to say no to God for whatever reasons. And that's exactly where Jonah is right now in this part of his story. But here's a, a verse I didn't put in your notes, but write it down. Psalm 139, 7 through 10. I want you to listen to what the Lord says to us here. The psalmist writes these words, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? <laughs> if I ascend into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. God, I can't get away from you. 
That is literally why I titled this, this teaching this morning, We Can Run, But I Wouldn't Advise It. Because God will relentlessly pursue us every single moment of every single day. He will never, ever, ever give up on us. He will run after us if we try to run away like this prophet of God did in this story. Jonah said, I will not go and do what you called me to do. As a matter of fact, I'm going to do the total, complete opposite of that and run the other direction. Now you can do that. If you so choose to, because God in his infinite wisdom gave us that free will to choose. But I'm telling you, church, I would not, would not, and do not advise it. You know, really here, I just want to say this. I don't think that Jonah really thought he could get away from God. I mean, we all kind of know that that's not going to happen. As much as we think we can run and hide and anything else. But, but I kind of understand this portion of his story as Jonah saying, I quit. Do you kind of get that? That He's like, hand me the towel. I'm throwing it in. I'm done. I, I don't want to be a prophet anymore. And my, my heart breaks whenever I see people give up and walk away and quit on the plan and the purpose and the destiny, the ministry, the assignments, the callings that God has placed upon their lives. But going away from God is always going in the wrong direction. Number four in your outline is simply this. When we're running from God, Satan is always happy to provide the transportation. <laughs> you, ever, you ever notice how, how that works out? I mean, verse three, the second part of that verse says, he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. How convenient. Wow. Who would have thunk it? I mean, there it is. There is a nice mode of transportation just waiting. The Bible says that he went, went down to Joppa, found a ship, bought a ticket. That was a calculated decision. Now, this may surprise you, but anytime we fall away from the Lord, it's always calculated. And I, I, I say that with, with, with all conviction I can. We make plans to do wrong, and then we follow through on those plans. Whether we realize it or not, that's what's happening. Jonah knew where God had called him and decided in his heart he was going to go his own way. Like that old song says, you can go your own way, right? And that's exactly what Jonah was doing. We've done that many times. The Bible says Jonah found a ship. Sometimes we justify our actions by saying, but I found an open door. It must be God's will. You, you ever use that argument? I mean, the door was open. It was there. The ship was there. Is that where God called you? No, but, 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 you know, it just all worked out so nicely. Oh, sure, they weren't my spouse, but, but it, just, it was just love. It just knew right away, and it just felt right. It made me happy. Oh, wow. Is that the new criteria? No. Oh, sure, it's just a little bit of money. This company I work for, they, they make zillions. I'm not talking millions. I'm not talking billions. They make zillions. So if I take just a little bit here and there, they will never know it. It just, it just made itself available very easily. Must be God's will. They don't pay me enough, so I, I just kind of take a little bit myself. Man, we can justify anything we do if we really put a little bit of effort in it. Is that not right? The truth is this. Anytime we want to run away from God, one thing is certain. We will find a ship going to Tarshish. It'll always be there. The devil will make sure that it's sailing right on time. 
Not like going to the airport and catching a flight that's always late. It's going to be right on time. Satan always sees that transportation is provided for those who are running from the will of God. We need to be aware that the enemy will do anything to help us be disobedient to the calling of God on our lives. When we are running from the Lord, Satan is always happy to provide the transportation. Now, how many of you have taken that ride before? Come on. I'm not the only one in this room. I'm raising my hand. How many of you have taken that ride before to the place that you were not supposed to go? You had no business going. God never told you to go there. He never called you to go there. But you decided in your heart and in your mind, that's what I'm going to do. And the enemy's happy to provide the transportation. The last thing on your outline this morning is this. Running away from God is always a downward spiral. Verse 3c says he paid the fare. He went down into the ship to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Although some may try to argue the point that any path leads you uh, away from God is, is downhill. Sometimes people who are doing what they know is wrong try to justify it by saying they are improving their lives, but it's always downhill I can guarantee you that. Once we step on the pathway of disobedience, the road keeps spiraling downward. You ever notice that? It's a process. I mean, it's just down and down and down and down and and just further and further away from God you get and his calling and his assignment. Don't miss this. Don't miss it. Jonah's ongoing downward digression. It is characterized in the New King James Version by the words down, down, down. He went down to Joppa in verse 3a. He went down into the ship in verse 3b. And he went down into a deep sleep in verse 5. It's always going down, right? The opposite way. Sometimes someone will leave serving the Lord for a life of sin and they seek to justify it by saying something along the lines of, but, but look how happy I am now. Look how, how great things are going now. I've got friends now. I, I'm popular now. I've got this, and everything's just rosy, and all is, is sunshine and butterflies. Man, I should have done this a long time ago. But I'm going to tell you something. Ultimately, they're going to find out that although their ship was ready and it sailed on time, if you are headed for Tarshish when God has called you to Nineveh, then you're sailing into a terrible storm. And we're going to talk about that next week as we continue this. But I can guarantee you, like I've learned from experience, if I am going the wrong way, I am headed into a dangerous and a deadly storm in my life. Dr. Ronald Barnhouse said many years ago, when you run away from the Lord, you never get where you're going, and you always pay your own fare. But... When you go the Lord's way, you always get where you're going, and he always pays the fare for you. Don't you love that? I like riding on somebody else's dime. I don't want to pay the price myself. I don't want to pay the price for disobedience. I can tell you that right now. That is too heavy of a price to pay. So I ask you right now as you close your eyes just for a moment, are you running today? Are are you running right now? from something in your own life. And, and I, I, I want to just throw a couple things out there. It could be from salvation. God would that none would perish, but that all would come to a saving knowledge of him. He wants us all to know him, to love him, to follow him, to live in relationship with him. So I'm asking you that. Are you running from salvation today in your own life? 
Or it could be that some of you in this room, you're running from a calling on your life like Jonah from a ministry assignment, from from some type of work that God has created you for and put you here on this planet for, that you have a purpose, you have a destiny that God has given you, as Amanda mentioned earlier in our service, a skill set. He's given you gifts. He's given you talents. Not that you could sit on them and waste them. Not that you could go out in the backyard of your house and, and bury them and keep them there and never do anything with them. No. God's calling us all to get on the front lines. He's calling us all to get out on the battlefield. He's calling us all to get out and play the game, to be in it. But are you running from that? Have you disqualified yourself? Have you listened to contrary voices for far too long that said, you can never, you will never, you are nothing. Stop that. Maybe you're running from forgiveness that you need to give to someone else that you've held on to for far, far, far too long. Because as you probably are well aware of by now, that it only hurts you, damages you, holds you back, keeps you in prison. And maybe for some of you in this room, God put this on my heart a couple of days ago, it might be that personal sin that you just really will not surrender to Christ. And have him come and bring freedom from that in your life. Maybe because you enjoy it too. I don't know. But here's what I do know. Bottom line today, if you are running from God in any or all of these areas or any other area that I, I maybe didn't even mention, but, but it's happening in your life right now. And you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm, I'm tired of that. I'm tired of being on the run and being pursued and fighting and working against what God has for my life and right now in this holy moment I'm ready to run to him and say yes to whatever it is that he's calling me to without anybody looking around right at this moment if you're in here and you'd say pastor pray for me I'm I'm in that boat right now so to speak would you just lift your hand and say remember me this morning Remember me right now. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Yes. How many others just lift your hand up? Maybe it's some of our teenagers and students. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anybody else that says, hey, remember me? I'm not leaving this place until I acknowledge that God is calling me to run to him and stop running away. And anyone else that will join these that raise their hands, just slip your hand up right now. Yes, sir, thank you. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask this other area of prayer real quick. Somebody you know and love is on the run. I don't do this often, but I just just felt the Holy Spirit whisper to me right now. Somebody you know and love is on the run right now from God. They're not running towards God any longer. They hold a a special place in your heart. You love them dearly. And right now, you want to acknowledge that you're going to pray that the Holy Spirit catches them and transforms them in a miraculous way. You're going to pray for them beginning today and continue to do that until the Holy Spirit gets them, catches them, holds them. Would you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, you know what? I had a name, I had a face come to my mind. Yes, 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 yes. Come to my mind just immediately when you said it. Yes, yes, yes. 
Thank you, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Anyone else before we pray? If you raise your hand for any of these things across this room and, and outside of this room, would you just stand to your feet right now if at all possible? You might be driving your car. Don't stand up if you're driving your car, listening to this via podcast or, or on our, our Facebook live feed. But wherever you're at, just stand across this room. If you raised your hand for anything, anything, whether you're running or somebody you love is running, stand up. Thank you all across this room, people on their feet. Now, I want you to find somebody else that's standing, and I want you to to move to where they're at, and you link up with them right now. I want you to find a prayer partner right now that's standing also in this room. It could be more than two of you together. It could be three or four, just a, a prayer cluster. That's fine by me. But I want us to be linked up with some people in this room that are also standing up, and I want you to begin to pray for each other right now. Whether you're running from God or somebody you know and love is running from God right now, you just begin to pray for yourself or for them. And then in a moment, I'm going to pray for all of us. Would you just do that right now? We should hear a holy murmur and rumble going on in this place today. Would you do that right now? Thank you, Lord. I need some of you that are seated right now. If you just feel led to stand up and move about the room and and, and pray for these prayer groups. Would you just do that right now? You have permission to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Just move and do that as some of you already are doing. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we confess right now that at one time or another, every one of us have been on the run. We've run from you for for something, God, whether it be salvation, whether it be a calling on our lives, whether it be a, a sin, whether it be unforgiveness, whether it be disobedience in whatever way, God, we've ran the opposite direction. But God, I'm thankful that I'm amongst a group of people and that there's, there's a group of people listening to this right now that are sick of running away from you, that are sick of of going the wrong direction, that are sick of fighting against all the great things you have for our lives, even though they may be hard things at times. But God said, rejoice in adversity. The, the, The Apostle Paul said, be glad when hardship comes your way, knowing that your faith is going to overcome it and that God's doing a great thing in you. So no matter what it is you're calling us to, God, we declare this day that we stop running from you, running from your plan, running from your purpose and your calling and and those things that you desire for us, God. And we run to you, God, from you to to you, God. We will no longer run away in these things, God. We declare it this day. Right now, I, my heart just rejoices in people who love people enough to raise their hand, to stand to their feet and say, I know this person is struggling. I know they're running from what God has. I know that they need to make that turn and run fully towards Him. And right now, I devote myself to praying for them. I devote myself to standing in the gap for them, to calling out their name before God in heaven and saying, Lord, help them turn and run towards you. Let the Holy Spirit catch them and bring them home, God, as you desire. Lord, my heart rejoices that we have people that love people enough to help you in your relentless pursuit of them. And right now, we join ourselves as a family. Would everybody across this room just stand up? Would you stand to your feet? Whether you raised your hand for something or not, would everybody stand up? 
Would you just reach over and grab the hand of somebody next to you to make a point of contact right now? God, we unite ourselves as a church body, as a family in you. And we declare together as a body of believers that we run to you, God. We run for you, God. Wherever you assign us, God, wherever you call us, if that person at work uh, that we work with that's, that's, that's always irritable, God, that's always in a bad mood, God, that everybody else runs from them, God. If you've called us to run to them in love and smile at them at the risk of being rejected, God, we do it. We say yes. Or maybe it's that neighbor that everybody else shies away from that, that's so so grumpy and always in a bad mood and always cursing and always being, being ugly. God, if you've called us to go in love, try to build a bridge, God, then we say yes. Whatever it is, God, however we can serve, love you, and be a light to those around us, we say yes. God, it was a tough assignment you put on Jonah's life to go and preach to this wicked city. And Lord, we're we're in a place in his account where he's running from you. But Lord, we understand that you never give up on him and you never give up on us. And we thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Would you worship together with us while you're standing this morning? Let's declare this song to the Lord together.